Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broadwaysed podcast, We're Drunk on Theater. I'm your host, Brian Plopsky, and welcome to O-Town. Here on Dream Street, everybody is Hanson. We love numbers here. It's 98 degrees, and five seconds of summer brings the Jackson 5 from boys to men. B2K, more like LFO. In one direction, the monkeys are loose, but the Osmonds are on their tail in the boys' zone. But that's just BTS. ITs, it's... The Backstreet Boys as we stay in sync. Take that, Menudo. Joining us today are the usual Beatles who will bring together, including Kevin Jonas Jager. Hey! Our all-for-one game master and unofficial babysitter for the hour, Kimberly. Hello. And with us today are the new kids on the block. Two hammies. Well, just two hammies now. Let's give a broad <laughs> welcome to friends of the show. Friends of the show! Aaron J. Albano, Nikisha Williams. Woohoo! I'm so mad. Yeah, you're going to hate my game. I'm so mad at that intro. It's amazing. I'm so mad that my video wasn't synced up right away because I was with you. Yeah, Kevin put the glasses on. I was like, oh, Kevin's a boy band. And my intro is great. Also, I know that entire dance because I learned it from the video. As did I. As did we all. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> As did yep. we all. Um, so this week we are talking about the boys uh, in the band. Uh, a Technically a remake, if you will, but another, not a remake, but another adaptation of the famous play from the 60s. Um, uh, but it is the... From the 70s. Hmm? And movie from the 70s. And movie yes. from the 70s, yes. Um, but we're only talking about the, uh, the new Netflix film, um, based on the revival, uh, same cast, same director. Um, uh, but before we get into any of that for our second episode of our plays adaptation or, Hey, it's a play. Okay. Um, theme, all Tony winners. Um, let's, uh, let's go around the horn and what are you drinking? What are you drinking? Um, well, I think a couple of us, I'm not sure, 
um, got a special delivery yeah. uh, <laughs> from from Nukisha via Aaron. <laughs> yes. Um, yep. And we are drinking some of the moonshine that she brought back with her from Alabama. Yeah. So, um, who's drinking the moonshine tonight? Me. Me too. What flavor are you drinking, Kevin? I'm doing the blackberry as well. <gasps> me, me too. Oh, you I heard you talk about it, so I was like, I'm going to do oh. that one too. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to yes. drink it for the first time. Well, Kevin, would you want to drink it for the first time with me on here? Yes. Ooh. Cheers, Quinkies. Moment of truth. Cheers. So exciting. Oh, that's that's good. That's delightful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's are, a lot. Please don't take this the wrong way, but it literally tastes like something that I remember drinking in like a college party that they like ladled out with like a hollowed out like football <laughs> bat. Yeah, that they spiked with Dimatap. Yes. What? Like, <laughs> like that, that, that. That's what. Yeah, that, I know. And that was a positive thing. <laughs> yeah, that brings back like a like a college backyard party where you're drinking out of a trash can full of liquor. I love that. Jungle juice, jungle juice, if you will. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I just added. I had a rocks glass ready to go for it. Um, this is a lot milder than I thought it would be. Absolutely, I think that's why I like it. But when you try the lightning one, I think that's going to give you the On moonshine the experience. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> well, that you want. Nice. Cool. Um, Kimberly, what are you drinking? I have my first Q-Cox. Ooh. Yes. Yay. A cup of Joe and Kamala. Oh. A voter stamp. And it came with a side of chilies that I put on top of my cup, took a pretty picture of, and promptly will not add to my glass. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's too spicy. I licked it, and I found that to be enough. <gasps> oh, great. Well, there you um, go. But I will now take a, I put it in my clear coffee mug. Oh, beautiful. Coffee in here. Let's see what else. Old Hoverholt, Old Hover, Old Hoverholt, Overholt. I can't pronounce it. There's rye, there's rum, there's, <laughs> there's cold brew, there's oat milk, there's a pinch of nutmeg, hella cocktail, smoked chili bitters, and the soul of our nation. Oh, nice. Let's see. The soul. Is the soul a little bitter? Ooh. <laughs> Kevin, I'll do you one better on what this tastes like in a weird, yummy way. Yes. Has anyone ever been on a Royal Caribbean cruise? No, oh, only no. Norwegian. Oh, right. When I was most likely underage on a cruise, they had they gave you shot glasses and it looked like tiny little hurricane glasses, mm-hmm. little metal hurricane glasses. And they at the end of the night, it was like a Kahlua-based shot with whipped cream on top. Mm. And they were my favorite thing, and I was um, definitely twenty-one at the time. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Just like that's what what that tastes like. Kahlua shots, and that's delicious. Yes, Kahlua. Nikisha. So I have some apple and ginger infused absolute vodka. with just a splash of uh cranberry juice so and i started drinking an hour before this started so i'm ready to go go. guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah aaron i have my good old standby that isn't red wine it's the san pellegrino uh blood orange and patron beautiful with some with some 
ice cubes shaped in the form of ti- Titanic's. So that's brilliant <clears throat> yeah um yummy yeah so on that note let's get started talking about the boys in the band um but to lead this conversation i'm going to pass it over to kevin um and kevin's going to take us through the history of the the background and all that fun stuff and uh let's uh, let's do this yeah gay power all right so um we are talking about as brian said the boys in the band which is a play by mark crowley uh the play premiered off broadway in 1968 oh there it is Bry. um it was it, it was revived on broadway for its 50th anniversary in 2018 with this cast that we watched in this movie um we this play is well known especially in like gay uh gay cinema and plays and entertainment uh it's a quote has said that it's a true theatrical game changer the boys in the band helped spark revolution uh, by putting gay men's lives on stage unapologetic unapologetically and without judgment in a world that was not yet willing to accept them fully um it was then turned into a feature film in 1970 and then the revival from 2018 was turned into this 2020 feature film which we are watching uh through Netflix and Ryan Murphy. Um, So Matt Crowley, just some fun back information about him. Uh, If anybody didn't do like a little bit of reading about him, I thought this is super fun. Um, So he started working in a number of television production companies before he met Natalie Wood on the set of her film Splendor in the Grass while uh, working as a production assistant. And she hired him immediately as her assistant primarily to give him free time to work on his gay-themed play, The Boys in the Band. Mm. Uh, Wood became his very close friend and inspired him to move from New York to Hollywood. Uh, According to his close friend, uh, she sympathized with Hollywood's gay scene, and so she financially supported him so that he was free to write his play. Um, Wow, must be nice. (laughs) He worked as an assistant for Wood and her husband, Robert Wagner, for many years. And then after several Hollywood film productions he was working on were canceled, his wealthy friend, Diana Lynn, hired him to house sit for her. So he lived in her Hollywood Georgian mansion where he only had to throw dinner parties and drink himself into oblivion, is what he said. Uh, But he began writing instead of drinking. And so that was when he really did the majority of the work for Boys in the Band. Um, Another fun fact about Boys in the Band is the original cast included Leonard Fry as Harold, which is the part Zach Kinto plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, I maybe say, if it, it, I say Fry, it may be Frey. Um, but he would go on to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for playing model in, in They're on the Roof. Nice. Um, so I thought that's like a fun little connection that we talked about that before. Um, and then I just wanted to bring up that uh, between 1984 and 1993, five of the gay men in the original production include as well as director robert moore and producer richard burr all died during the aids pandemic uh in new york city and also this movie was dedicated to uh mark crowley the playwright who actually passed away this year on march 7th um so before we do any real talking about this we'll do a little cheers to the playwright as well as uh the original cast members producer and director from the cheers cheers 
Okay, so this movie was 2020. It's directed by Joe Mantello, who we all know from uh, Broadway World as well as uh, some of the TV and movie stuff he's done. Um, Mark Crowley adapted the screenplay along with Ned Martell, who is a uh, uh, Ryan Murphy person. Like his his entire Ryan Murphy person. He's just all of his stuff. I mean, he's worked on Glee and American Horror Story. So like he's a Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy person. He's a Ryan Murphy person. He's a Merson. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So this film is the same cast as the 2018 revival. So it stars uh, a lot of the gay elite in Hollywood and TV. Um, It's uh, Jim Parsons, Zachary Quinto, uh, Matt Bomer. Bomer? Bomer. Bomer, thank you. Andrew Rannells, Charlie Carver, Robin DeJesus, uh, Brian Hutchinson, Michael Benjamin Washington, and Tuck Watkins. And this was released recently on September 30th by Netflix. Um, okay, so let's jump into this. And the first thing we're going to do is go around the, the horn here. And uh, we'll say your familiarity with this play, uh, with this specific like cast and production, and then give me a three-sentence high-level thoughts. So you have a sentence for each of those first two questions and then a three-sentence high-level thoughts. <laughs> I love the structure. I like to be very specific about this because I, I like to see you guys like in your head starting to stress out about if that counted as a sentence or to listen. No one has ever gotten it right. No <laughs> I literally blow it every right. time. Aaron gets like... Let's talk for as long as we want. Aaron gets like... <laughs> Aaron has like one sentence left and then he just starts doing a bunch of ellipses instead and i'm like just just go where just talk on brand that's how it goes um but we'll start with somebody who likes to follow directions so we'll go to kimberly oh (laughs) thank you i like rules um (laughs) that doesn't count as a sentence here we go Um, i have no personal history with the play or this production other than i knew it existed on broadway i very much enjoyed all the production shots and I like everyone in it, but I had not heard about it. I knew it was a revival that had never actually been on Broadway, and those are always a fun little cliff note in my mind um, when things won- win Best Revival, even though it's the first time they were on Broadway. Mm. Um, what was the next? Just high-level thoughts from there? Yep, three sentences. Um. I loved it. I love watching movies that are plays when they are good. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. I, it was a movie that made me really, really regret not seeing the play. Oh, good. Okay. We'll talk more into that in a bit, but thank you for your, uh, first of all, high <laughs> level thoughts. Uh, let's go over to Nikisha, who looks like she's ambling to go. So, uh, Nikisha, here you go. Can you answer the questions of experience with the play itself, experience with this cast and production, and then give me your three-sentence high-level thoughts. I had no idea what this was whatsoever, and Aaron and I watched the trailer for it when I was over his house a couple of days ago. And I was very surprised at what I was seeing because, again, I had no idea. The title is called Boys in the Band. So I'm thinking something along Jersey Boys. 
And that was not the case. <laughs> but I was subject material. <laughs> yeah, not at all. But I was pleasantly surprised when I actually sat down and watched it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thought that it was a good transition from play to movie. I want to just mention that I really enjoyed the set structure of the two stories because it felt like it was reflecting upon being a play. I could see in my head that that might have been what the setting was for the play. And lastly, high level thought that I'll say again, Bernard is me. I am Bernard crying over boys. That's it. (laughs) Oh. No, no, I love that because we're going to dive into that more because I want to talk about who everyone like personally identifies yes. with most. So I think that's really telling. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to jump over to, uh, I always make Brian last. So I'm sorry, Aaron, but I'm going to let Brian go this time. Brian, tell me your uh, relationship to the play, relationship to this production, and then three sentence high level thoughts. I'm sure. watching you. Um, I have, I own the play and I read the play. Because when I worked in Chelsea as a waiter, I had a regular who lived in the Chelsea area and was a, you know, person who had been in the arts and not on the creative side, but kind of behind the scenes on on money side and things like that. And he, um, we like got very close. He was an older gentleman, older gay gentleman um, who would take me to shows, gave me tickets to shows, like tips and stuff like that. He still tipped me, but he would do that. And so um, he once asked me, had I ever heard of Boys in the Band? And I said, no. And so the next time he came into the restaurant, he gifted me a copy of the Boys in the Band. uh, And I read it, but um, I had only read it. I had never seen it. That was one run-on sentence. Two, uh, I had, like Kimberly, I I knew this existed. and that fact also stuck in my head, the, the off-Broadway, Broadway revival, you know, like dance. Uh, but I did not see this. And, um, and my thoughts on the movie, I really loved it. I thought it was really well-directed. And I thought that the performances and the way that it was filmed was incredibly engaging and really brought out the themes of the play in ways that a lot of movie adaptations do not do yeah well we'll visit some, we'll visit more of that in just a bit we're going to jump down <laughs> to the bottom of my screen to uh mr aaron j albano um, hello so go ahead and tell me your experience with the play in general your uh experience or knowledge of this production and then your three sentence and again i'll just not to stress, but just to let you know, three sentence. <laughs> now we all stuck to the rules so that Aaron can just go. <laughs> <laughs> Fierce. You guys walked so I could jump off the cliff. Thank I you. literally was about to say the same thing. Yes. Um, okay. Sentence one. Okay. I knew nothing about this play before this. Wow. Sentence two. My knowledge of the production was purely technical. I know Joe... I know the company manager, Eduardo, and I know Robin. And so I was not in town for the production because I was out on Hamilton at that point. And so my um, 
connection to it was texting them happy opening and wishing that I could see, I was in town to see it, but couldn't see it. That was all one sentence because I used prepositions. Then you're fine because now you have three sentences to give your high level thoughts. Mm -hmm. This will be a little less structured. Number three sentences. (sighs) Like Kimberly, I think this is a play, a play adaptation that is done very well. I have parentheses. I have a few thoughts where I wish we had just stuck with a play format and parentheses. The story itself, while I enjoyed it and appreciated it, it made me more reflective about gay cinema as a whole and gay art as a whole. Lastly, if I had one critique of the movie and the movie format, I wonder if it benefited from the beautiful sheen that Ryan Murphy movies put on projects. And if that stood against the history of the play as a whole. Interesting. This is going to be a fun episode. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited. Okay. So I think my, so I didn't, I knew. I followed the rules, Kevin, by the way. I'm very proud of you. Your history with the show and the production. (laughs) My history with the show is that I, I knew it existed, but I had never read it. And I didn't, I knew it was like a gay milestone play. Um, this revival I knew was happening, but I couldn't get tickets because they were like very hot sell and like just kind of disappeared quickly. Um, so I didn't see it. And then my high level thoughts, I think are going to come out in the way that I structure some of this conversation. So I'm just going to kind of like bring them up as we get through them. Um, okay. So the first thing that I want to talk about with this, which is what some of you kind of brought up, which I love, um, is about the adaptation of plays to the screen. And uh, specifically, I think there are points in this play that work very well with that. Mm-hmm. And I think there are points in this play where the, um, the tension that you're supposed to feel and the scenario created makes more sense in your head when you're watching a play in a theater. But when you watch it on film, it seems less believable or like has a different kind of experience for the the viewer than what happens when you're in a play. So I just want to open the floor up to anybody who has like had feelings about where they thought it specifically really worked or feelings where you might have like felt like I did that there were spots where it just kind of like didn't fit in reality of film, the way it fits in the reality of, of theater. Oh, go ahead. I'll have hands. No, everybody raise their hand. That's awesome. I'll, I'll I'll back off. Let's do, let's go, let's go. Nikisha, Aaron, Kimberly, Brian. We'll go like a little loop on my screen. Yeah. Mine's really quick. Cocktail. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Mine's really quick. I, uh, in just in that, in you saying that question right now, it made me think of when we watched um, American Son and how that 
translated um, to movie uh, because I had never seen American Sun either. I just saw the movie when we watched it, uh, but it felt the entire time like it was a play. And I guess because it was so stationary in the setting here at the beginning, I think what worked for me was everyone's um, transportation to Michael's house that I thought worked really well as far as everyone developing their own whatever's their own personalities, their own characters are developing outside of the house. And then everybody gets to the house. Um, I didn't feel like that was out of place, but some of the, um, there was, I think it was maybe like a flashback moment or something, or, uh, I think at the end when Michael was walking around outside and he went yeah. into the church and all that stuff, like it just seemed like they felt like they had to put that in there to prove the point. Um, when I don't think it really needed that. Like I really thought that he was going to like, they close the door and leave. And that was going to be like credits. I agree. But then it came into like a whole nother thing. And I was like, Oh, they kind of just took it away from me. I would have just been like, sitting on the edge of my seat and then ended it would have been like a, a relief a good release in that way instead of having to try to like drag it along so I think that was one yeah. of the main things and I think you back and ask Brian who's read the play is that curtain in the play just the why do we have to hate ourselves so much which I'll is a you. beautiful line I and like I just, and I can picture uh, like the show curtain you haven't seen the whole time just coming down <clears throat> Michael, run into a streetlight at the end of the play. As my father said to me when he died in my arms, I don't understand any of it. I never did. A beat. Donald goes to his stack of books, selects one, and sits in a chair. Turn out the lights when you leave, will you? Donald nods. Michael looks at him for a long, silent moment. Donald turns his attention to his book, starts to read. Michael opens the door and exits. End of act two, end of play. Yeah, that makes the most sense. That's where I thought it was going to close. So it was just crazy to have that whole ending scene. I think it wasn't really necessary. Yeah. But it did feel like they the movie felt like it had to add stuff like that. Well, I think also because they had the beginning. Like they True. had the pre they had the pre-show, they needed the post-show. Like right. you, yeah. if you have a prologue, you need an epilogue. I don't know if that's really true. I just made that up. But like it makes sense. <laughs> But yeah. I feel like it like, didn't I, need like, it. It still would have made sense without it, you know? I don't think they needed it at all. But I, yeah. I don't think but I also don't think they needed the beginning part either. Okay. I think we Voice like, over if, at the end too, or did, is that just in the trailer where he runs to the streetlight with him saying, I was only happy in the plane? I think that's the trailer and it's just in my mind. Yeah, I don't think that happened at the end. That's only in the trailer, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh A run? Um Yes. And I, and I'm very aware that because I also, I like cheated and listened to other podcasts about this play after about this movie after the fact, because I wanted to check if my thoughts were my like specific to me because I wanted to hear from muggles, to be honest, to be frank, because all five of us are very deep theater people. And so I wanted to know Wait, I'm going to now describe myself as a deep theater person. <laughs> Work. Um, and, but, like, but like, it's one of those things where like, like we talked about last week in Proof and we talked about in American Sun, like watching this play. And I think it was mostly successful. I felt like 
I was watching the play on film, which was great. The one moments where I did not were the flashbacks where I was just like, I have very competent, if not more than competent actors on my screen and good storytelling and good writing here. I would prefer to just watch Bernard go through this moment. Instead, I do not need a dick in a pool. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, Ryan Murphy, I don't need it. And I would have, like very much preferred. And the and the and the the flashback, Hank's flashback in Grand Central was still was a little bit better, but same deal. I'm like, give me Hank describing this moment instead of a whole like walk to the stall and like yeah I'm, and so like those kind of things again for muggles i'm sure that's exactly what we needed because watching one person on a screen for too long can get boring but i'm not a muggle so yeah. i want to watch the journey through the uh-huh. eyes and the and like through the actor i don't need it through the like and through the reactions of the actors around them Correct. Like that's the part, like, when people monologue like that in a play, that's the part where I'm like, I wish I had a wide shot and I could pick who I'm watching listen to this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I'm... Whoever I'm sitting next to, I just stare at them while they need <laughs> to take information, but... <laughs> yeah, and so, I, so, I'm, so I'm very aware that that's very specific to, like, we type of people, us type of people, whatever the, the, Engl- the English is, but that's... That's my one. I, th- I think you mean deep button. theater people. Deep theater. To deep theater people, that's that's my one sort of critique. That's the, new in the name film. of this podcast. Cool. <laughs> deep ETP. Deep yes. um, Kimberly, your thoughts. Um, I agree with everything just said about the flashbacks. Um, I also very much agree with Nikisha about the set. Like, you can picture that in a theater. I also, I don't know if anyone else watched the featurette afterwards. I did. It was recommended right away. And I, the one thing I miss about DVDs and a DVD player is a special feature. Yeah. (laughs) And so I I really enjoyed that. I also then went and watched some clips of the movie from the 70s. And there are moments that are almost identical, like the bathroom looks really similar and mm. like how some things are shot looked really faithful to the original movie, which I found very interesting. Um, but yeah, I thought overall it worked as a play because the actors are all theater actors and you could tell that what they were doing would reach a balcony, but that they're doing it in a way that now reaches my couch. And I thought that it was very well restrained and also they chose the right moments. Um, I, like Aaron, also listened to a certain other podcast talking about this because you told me that you did. And I was like, I love Pop Culture Happy Hour. I'll take a peek. Am I the only person who waited because I didn't want to accidentally regurgitate what they said? I didn't listen to any other thing. It's It's just me and Aaron and it's only because I ran out of podcasts this morning to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I really like the way Glenn Weldon speaks. And so if anybody else likes a really nice radio tone. Um, but now I feel nervous to regurgitate what he said. <laughs> I will not. You won't, because they're not deep theater people. They're not they're deep not. theater people. They are DTP. <laughs> but one thing I will say that I agree with 
is that Zachary Quinto for like the, it took me like his first kind of half scene to adjust myself to his characterization because he was the most, not broad, but like over the top and very specific. He was very theatrical for sure. Very much a specific person. And as someone who has worked in theater offices with men who were probably this age in this time period, Hmm. um, it was very interesting to see a young version of old men I know. That's really interesting. He like showed up and I was just like, oh, I know you, sir. You still have some of that hair. Like, (laughs) um, (laughs) Amazing. So I found that extremely interesting. And just a a side quick before I jump to Brian, um, the featurette was really interesting. I think the most interesting thing is when they highlight that the playwright obviously based the character of Michael, who Jim Parsons plays on himself. Which you can tell with the first word he says in the featurette. Yes. And um, you're like, oh, you're Jim Parsons. Yeah, you're like, oh, right, obviously. And he's the character of Harold, who is uh, played by Zachary Kinto, is based on his real-life best friend, who was a very accomplished dancer, who everybody wanted to dance for them, like Jerome Robbins, things like that. He's the one who taught Natalie Wood the choreography in West Side Story when she was doing it. Um, he also... Was the only one someone would dance with. But Barbara what? Streisand would, would Barbara refuse Streisand. to dance with anyone but him. So in Funny Girl, the movie, he is the guy she partners with in the big Zigfield Follies number. And then again, he's, she, he's one of the dancers that she does most of her choreography with in Hello, Dolly!, that big sequence with all the dancing waiters. He's the one who's always on her arm because she super trusted him. This is who this Harold guy is. And from all the pictures and him talking about him, like he super revered him, which you can see in the way that he broke the character, the yeah. reference that he feels. He writes him as almost like the leader of their group. Yes. And oh, he, sure. he, the best friend passed away during the AIDS pandemic, which has like, but they all said that the way that he talks about him, it's like he just talked to him yesterday. So he has this like intense like connection with this character still that I think that like shows in how he wrote him. Uh, Brian, but your thoughts about the adaptation? Sure. Um, I'll start with what we've kind of talked about already. I think that going beyond what even Aaron said, because I agree with him about the flashbacks, even though you have very competent actors who have lived in these characters for two plus years, um, and like, they were these characters on film. There was no lying. I never saw any of them lying. Um, um, even more than like wanting to see the wide shot and people reacting. I really just thought at a basic level, cutting away from that and showing the flashback just undermined the drama of the situation completely. Um, if, if, if we're to believe, and I understand it's a movie and you have to adapt medium wise and, and do that, but like it just really cut the tension of those scenes for me. The second I'm not, even on a deep, close-up a, D, a DTP close-up of these people like I don't know it really especially on the Bernard one it re, it really cut the um it really cut the tension for me of those yeah. moments also um, I would agree sorry just yeah, Kim, yeah it Kim. was interesting what they chose to flash back to mm, yes that cool moment but then you just get Robin DeJesus's character like at prom yeah like you don't get to see him like go to the dentist's house Right. You're just like, look at this prom we built because we were also <laughs> filming the prom. I wonder how much they cut 
like I wonder how much they filmed and and then like actually put in of those flashbacks. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you there. It's me about that. Um, I will also agree that I love the beginning stuff that Nikisha mentioned. It reminded me a lot of the Big Chill. If you've seen the Big Chill, the opening sequence oh, of the sure. Big Chill. They're all going to their best friend's funeral, and like obviously the drama happens at the funeral. And the um, the intro, the the cre- opening credits is you don't see anyone's faces; you just see them packing their bags, and you get to know who these characters are based on what they're packing in their suitcase. That that's kind of the feeling this gave me. Um, uh, um, so I really enjoyed that, and then I totally agree with you. The end of the movie, that extra epilogue, that tag they put on. I can imagine myself in the theater wondering and creating my own realistic, re, my own ending for these characters. For sure. instance, when um, Hank and Larry go up to the bedroom at the end, I didn't need to know if they were fighting or making up or having sex. I, I, the movie obviously shows you their ending, but I like the fact that like the thesis of this is like, you know, <clears throat> the, the, the thesis of the show kind of leaves that open-ended to how people feel about themselves and how they want to move forward in their relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea of not knowing where these characters go. We just know that this moment has definitely affected the way that they, that they will move forward. And I felt like a lot of those endings gave me answers that I was not looking for um, and, and really closed that open-endedness yeah. that the play delivers. Um, because when, when people in the play leave the apartment, get to the apartment and leave the apartment. That's all we see. I, again, I understand it's a movie, but the ending bothered me more than the intro. Um, yeah. And then one of the things that I loved about this was the use of the apartment. In the one scene that really gets me is when they leave the door open and um, from the inside of the apartment, you see out to the man and woman, like clearly dressed up going out somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you see them man, looking, yeah. yeah. That's, they don't exist in the 70s movie. Oh. In the 70s movie, and those two people are not there. Oh, interesting. But I loved that they were there, and you see that tension of the outside world. Anyway. Yes. So I like the idea of the, 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 the apartment being like a cocoon where they can all kind of work their, their stuff mm-hmm. out. Um, and like the outside world, anytime he's outside or whatnot, like he puts on his trench coat to hide himself at the end. Um, like whenever they're even, um, you know, at the beginning, they're a little bit more open about it, but like, as they kind of break these characters down, it just, I really thought that was wonderfully done and, and was something you probably don't get in the play. You create the atmosphere of it, but I thought they did that well here. Um, uh, and, uh, I want to talk to the maybe we'll get into it but uh i think that the sheen that the ryan murphy sheen really worked for me here because it was like next okay i'll stop i'm sorry (laughs) okay kevin go (laughs) um no i think i think it works really well i think it adapts well i think it's there's points when it's dated a bit but like it still works as like a time capsule of that actual experience for those people i think there's some parts that are crazy relevant and still work um, my biggest issue is the adaptation of the entire conceit of the like game of calling people and stuff. Yeah. That whole section is very much like a hundred percent works, no question in a theater for a play, but like in a movie setting sometimes feels a little weird. Um, and like the fact that like the 
old college roommate stays and like his the use of the college roommate is harder in film than it is on the stage because he kind of just his character kind of is archetypal of the time and you can kind of see that the author has disdain for the character himself so like he's not put all the other ones are like redeemable in a way but him kind of until the end which is like a weird kind of it's to me the, the ending is a little weird of how that all plays out um but i think overall it really works and the performances work to kind of ground it and make it work but there was just like one or two moments during like the part when jim parsons is yelling at the old college roommate and like standing over him being like and like the whole thing about Je- like justin or the boy oh, like yeah, mm-hmm. justin is that cool. whole thing was such like a powerful like it almost felt like a um August Osage County scene, <laughs> but it just felt so like, like the dialogue, the like syntax of the language was so rooted in like theater that it didn't a hundred percent ring true on, on the screen. If that makes sense. Mm. Like I would have rather yeah. just be a live cap, but like, this is by far one of the best adaptations. Um, I also think it's interesting if you look at American Psycho, no, not American Psycho, American Sun. Oh, American Sun. And um, <laughs> and Proof, they take these plays where a lot of it is about the like claustrophobia of the like Place. small set and the things that don't work or when they break that with these like outside bike riding or running or like mm-hmm. creating a space that you don't need that like the tension is what helps. Chasing after a car to throw a manuscript into it. Yeah. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So um, let's talk real quick before we jump into uh, a different location um, about the sheen of, the Charlie sheen of this movie. <laughs> um, because it... Uh, so there is one thing being the glossiness of it, of how like Ryan Murphy's stuff just has a very polished, like pristine kind of look to it as a film or as a medium. But on top of that, the fact that this cast is like just kind of beautiful men and um, that this movie kind of the sexualization and like, the way sex and nudity are used in this are interesting. Like we said, like we see map, like it's for a reason, but is it, we're seeing so much of these men naked. And then like, there's penis in this movie. Like when they're in the water and stuff, like it is full frontal male. And is that what you might assume is like 
underage youthful penis and made me feel uncomfortable. Right. Like, do you think that that is like overexposing? Do you think that that's just normal amount of exposing or not used to seeing it with the male form, especially in the gay world? Um, thoughts on all of that. Let's start. Uh, we'll go the opposite direction this time. We'll start with Brian and go back. Sure. Um, I think that early on in the, in the movie, it is, um, it is, a, it is, I, I, so let me, let me, let me start that over again. I do think that because we see less full frontal male nudity in pop culture, it is always more shocking because that is, that, I mean, that's a bigger question about like the way that our culture is. However, um, I, I think that I was less, jarred by the full frontal nudity than I was cutting away to a flashback. Um, but I will say that I think that the, the nudity or the close to nudity or the, the sexual content, um, for instance, like Matt Bomer in the shower and all of that, to me, that felt more appropriate because here is Jim, the Sheldon character, the J- Jim Parsons, Michael character, sure. who I think that really sets up the fact that, like, honestly, at the beginning, it took me a while to remember that they were boyfriends, that he was, like, they were together, because he looks at him with such shame, and, like, they're almost together. like he... They're not boyfriends. He's Michael and, him. Michael and Donald? No. They're not their boyfriends? No. I didn't catch that if that was supposed to be... I think Donald just comes in on Saturday night, and Michael is in love with him, and they have, like, a Saturday night thing. Because at the end... Go to text. Go to text. Show me the receipts. Yeah. I think, I think the same thing because I think... I think they paint that at the end, how Michael loves Donald, but Donald loves Larry. And books. Um, and, um, yeah, I didn't let, get it at all that they were together. I just well, thought that they were best friends that kind of slept together, but Michael was actually in love with him. Sure. So let me double check all that. But regardless, um, I thought that it just conveyed um, Michael's uh, uncomfortable with himself and and all of that because it was very like he was like looking away. It felt very Catholic schoolboy, um, which is his character more or less in some ways. Um, so I thought that, that was appropriate because it actually had something to do with character. Um, I mean, and obviously it's aesthetically pleasing, um, but. Um, uh, so that aspect of things like never really bothered me per se. Um, I had more problems with not necessarily, I guess I had problems with how they were deployed. Like, again, I didn't love that. We found out the ending of, or like that Larry and, um, Hank made up that way. I didn't need the flashback to the pool, not because of what was in the pool, but because I just wanted to see Bernard talk about it from his perspective and looking back more, um, in terms of the sheen of like that, like, that Ryan Murphy filter, if you will. I liked it in this case because it felt like Instagram. It felt like we were, we were presented the, what we were assuming that was a fun, flamboyant gay party in 1968. But then like when everything goes devolves into whatever they're doing, we still have that sheen, but we're really seeing behind it and all of that nastiness and self 
self-hatred is pushing mm-hmm. through that. So whether or not that was done on purpose, because this is Ryan Murphy's brand, and I don't know how much Joe Mantello was like um, was asked to do certain things or like how much of the concept was his idea versus the producers on it. Um, to me, it it to me it worked because it juxtaposed that like Instagram filter of everything's great, we're fun gay men having this birthday party um, versus like we are actually real people and we we just like present something to the world. But deep down inside, at least these characters, some of them hated themselves. Others just wanted to do what they wanted to do, but they put on something different to the world. So that's kind of, that's how I interpreted it. Okay. Kimberly. Um, I do not consume a lot of Ryan Murphy products. And so I don't know that I can speak to the sheen because I think I've watched Glee. And I don't really know what else he does. American Horror Story, but it's scary, so I don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> spooky. Um, I also did not find it to be too shiny, I suppose, because I knew it was a play, so I was very aware that they were on a set. But I loved the set mostly because I was like, where did they find this great apartment? with like all of these things. And like, how did they find this apartment? And then I watched the featurette and there's a clear green screen on the balcony. And I was just like, they built this from nothing? And I was just so impressed with the set, dire- like the set director because it was like this perfect, just like someone's apartment who has accumulated too much stuff to make up for the way they feel about themselves. And I, loved it so much so I did not find it too shiny but now that you are explaining it like an Instagram filter almost I do kind of like that because a lot of what happens in the play is everyone comes in presents themselves the way they want to be presented to their friends and then slowly are stripped down to who they actually are um I'm gonna stop you for just one second because I found out why I thought they were boyfriends why um after after it, I like to read the Wikipedia, just like for the hell of it. And if you go to the boys in the band play Wikipedia, it lists all the characters and who they are. And it lists Donald as Michael's conflicted boyfriend who has moved from the city to the Hamptons to spurn the homosexual lifestyle and is undergoing psychoanalysis, which I think I read that in, again, Wikipedia is not like the author doing this. So I think in hindsight, I read that and like, retroactively put it on that scene when I was watching that scene I think I felt like all of you does that make sense yeah Mm -hmm. I also think the idea of like a conflicted boyfriend is kind of a 60s way to say they hook up sometimes right and then in the in the 1970s film wikipedia it just says Donald is another friend um and then the uh the 2021 does not really get deep into plot at all Okay. Um, also in the, the like sheen and shininess of this, I just want to bring up that when it came up and it said New York 1968, um, that's not the time frame I was expecting. And I literally in my head went, oh, it's from before. Mm. And then the whole play took on this other thing. But like, I just kept watching it like, and if only it, not stayed this way, obviously, but like <coughs> there was like just my impending knowledge. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Made me sad. 
Uh, Aaron. Um, and I think, I, I do think that the, you guys are convincing me that the sheen is better. Um, my initial thoughts is no, because, <laughs> um, well, A, I think that the nudity is included in the sheen. I think that's a very sure. specific, like, and I feel, I feel like for both instances, I can reason away anything. I can talk about, like, I can rationalize it in my head after the fact. But it reminds me of, this. Is, I mean, these are not on the same level at all, but did any of you guys watch that show Afterglow that was in New York for a while? No, but I know of it. Yeah, it's a great, it's actually a surprisingly fantastic play. This is two actors, right? Or three? Three. But okay. it's, and it's, and it's a play that tackles very deep things, but it gets masked behind all the naked and all the sex and all of the, to the point where they used that as their marketing strategy to get you into the, into the building. And then you get to see an actually good play. What's, where I'm like, we don't need that here is because we don't need that here. Like, you got Matt Bomer, who's pretty with, like, like dressed in a garbage bag. Yeah. Like, he's, like, at all of... And that the same goes for all of these people. Yeah. Also, you're not, like, selling anything because this isn't, a, this isn't a play that's done eight times a week anymore. Like, no. and so, again, yes, I think I agree that... It does, it can say something about their relationship, but at, the end, but at the end of the day, like, to a viewer, I lost the text because I'm too busy watching Matt Bomer be naked. And I was just like, I don't need this. Like, if I want to listen to the text, like, shield him in some way, like, <laughs> and because we don't need it, like, we don't need gratuity. Like, and I'm not saying that, like... It, it's one of those things that I felt like was added, whether it was added or not, I don't know. I didn't see the play. But like, it detracted instead of added to the storytelling because everything, and, like, and again, maybe it was an aspect where like, if he was like 10 degrees less beautiful, then it would have been a different thing. But I'm just like, and so to the second point, adding to the sheen, I'm like, hey, I... And again, these were all cast prior to this movie. So this isn't even included in the Ryan Murphy of it all. But I'm like, hey, when we have friends with all these issues, like, for my money, I'd like to see some normal looking people instead of like Adonis's and then making me believe that they have just the same issues as we do. Like, nah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I don't want to play. that Ryan... Uh, Ryan Murphy produced the re revival as well. So great. Like, <laughs> so he picked we are. pretty best friends from Instagram. Correct. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if Robin DeJesus wasn't available, Darren Chris would be in there. Like, okay, great. <laughs> like, but he's straight. They wouldn't have cast him. Oh, fair. All right. Nikisha. So, first off, as far as flashback scenes, like we've all mentioned, I didn't feel like we really need it. But just talking about um, seeing men showing affection and all that kind of stuff, that steam room scene, I will take all day, every day, was great for me. I appreciated it. 
so much. Uh, <laughs> but, and I didn't really feel like it took away from it, but maybe because it was just beautiful people and it was great to watch. Um, but as far as the other part, I wrote in my notes the the cinematography or the filter, as Brian had mentioned, of like the dark four corner vignette thing. Like I did not like that. I didn't feel like that it was needed because Ryan Murphy's um, colorization in the costumes do it for me. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I think that that was enough of a Ryan Murphy mark and to um, add to the story instead of take away from it. So I always enjoy his costumes in everything that he does um, because I think it always fits well with the story. But again, like we've all stated, um, some of the nudity things in the, in the, within the flashbacks um, as a whole just didn't really add to the story uh, or add to the tension of everything. So I just didn't... Uh, need it um yeah but i agree with what everyone is is saying as far as as all of that what was the other thing it was just the the sheen and then you got it sheen and okay. yeah yeah mm-hmm. um do you know where else they have a lot of sheen and a lot of need <laughs> oh. you transition yourself hey <laughs> a Tuesday. There's so much nudity up in here. Okay. <laughs> so um, for Kevin's Corner this week, um, I am going to give you the name of a, either a film or a play, and you will have to tell me which of the uh, stars of this movie were in this project. So okay. like, if I, so if I say like heroes on television, oh okay, okay, Quinto. Yeah. Quinto. Got it. Quinto or Quinto? I think it's I don't know Quinto. I think I thought it was Quinto. I don't know. I'll call him Zachy. There you go. Perfect. Spock. 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 I've never seen that. Okay, here we go. Siler is that his name on Heroes? Siler, yeah. Siler. I watched that first season again. I okay. yeah. Oof. Okay, here we go. Number one. Yes. 2011's A Normal Heart at the John Golden Theater. We like ring in? Yeah. I say that thinking I know the answer. So the play version, not the the HBO? The play version. Bring, bring Jim Parsons. That is correct. Okay, I did know that. Are we keeping point count or are we just answering? Keep, uh, keep your like You all have 10 points. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, 2014's A Normal Heart on HBO. As bring, 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 bring. That's Matthew Bomer. That is. Nice. Okay. Um, the, TV de- the To Be Determined Tick, Tick, Boom film project. This person will be playing the role of Michael. Robin DeJesus? That is correct. Is he really? That's, That's fierce. Wow. Listen, I we play by the rules. I didn't hear I didn't hear a I didn't hear a ding, Kimberly. I'm <laughs> <laughs> with my eyebrows. <laughs> okay. 
questionable. <laughs> um, 2015's I Am Michael. I've, I've never heard of that. I Am Michael. I don't know what that is. I don't either. It's is a it a film about of Michael, the John Travolta vehicle in which he's an angel? No, it's a film about a gay couple where one of them decides to like make himself straight and not be gay anymore. It's like based on a true story. Bring, bring, bring Andrew Rannells. No. Uh, Zachary Kinto is the answer for that one. Oh. Uh, 2011's The Muppets. Who was in the Muppets? Who was in the Muppets? Who was in the Muppets? This person plays a cameo as a waiter. Oh. (laughs) Is it a... I have no idea. Uh, that's it's Jim Parsons. Oh, oh no, he's he's not the waiter. He's the human version of the puppet in Man or Muppet song. Oh yes, that's what it is. Um, right, 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 right. Oh, got it. Uh, Magic Mike. Bring, bring, bring Matt Bomer. That's correct. Oh, that is so correct. <laughs> uh, 2012 to 2013's uh, doomed series, The New Normal. <gasps> ding, ding. Yeah. Andrew Rannells. That's correct. I watched that show. Oh, another Ryan Murphy joint. Oh, well, I think, I, I think. Uh, oh, was it? I think, 2000, I a 2002 episode of Lizzie McGuire as the <laughs> character, the director. Bring, uh, bring, 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 bring uh, Tuck Watkins. No, I'm bad at this game. I'm I'm not good. I'm not doing well at this in this corner. Also, do not remember the name of the man who played Alan. That is also uh, Zachary Quinto. Oh. oh, okay, sure. Um, HBO's Girls. Bring, bring oh. Andrew Reynolds. That's correct. I got one point. I got one point. It's going to be the uh, only point that I get. 2021's The Batman in a to-be-determined role. Bring, bring, Tuck? Watkins? No. Bring, uh, no? This is Charlie Carver, the cowboy. Work. Oh, cool. Right. Robin? Maybe. They just say, don't say what he is yet. Uh, 2012's title character in the Muni's Aladdin. Bring, bring, bring Robin yeah. Dances. That's correct. <laughs> and the, the last one. Is it camp? 2019. <laughs> the 2019 Ben Platt Ease My Mind short film playing the Ease My Mind Boyfriend. Bring, bring, bring Ryan Murphy. I don't know. <laughs> that is also Charlie Carver. Cool. Okay. Yay! And then Kevin's Corner. Hooray! Okay. Um, MVP and three sentence final thoughts before we do our game and then the ranking and all that kind of good stuff. Uh... Aaron. 
Hmm. MVP. And once, MVP. Somebody, once somebody picks an MVP, you can't pick that person. Oh, Awful. I love that, Kevin. That's so good. Love it. Love it. So Aaron, go first. I'll probably say MVP Jim Parsons because the character appropriately made me upset because that's that was the point that was we watched we watched like the degradation of this dude because of his self-loathing and while I don't we like we can get into that in a second it's it was very in some ways while melodramatic it was very relatable especially and I can only imagine going back in gay history, it would be more relatable and more and more and more relatable. Um, high level thoughts toward the end. Um, this movie, inter- like, I, and for the record, I've been ragging on it this whole movie, uh, this whole time, but I really, really did enjoy it. But what really got me was an interesting perspective on sort of the progression of gay movies in terms of like generationally, because what I found most fascinating and I, and I texted after, after I watched this movie, I texted my friend who company managed and I was like, how did this movie, how did this play? How was this play received from the, like in the audience? And he started going off about like, how it was critically reviewed and I was like, no, that's not what I'm asking. I want to know how this did in the house, like demographically, like by age and by like race. Yeah. From the audience itself. And what it, and he was like, oh, got it. And so we started talking about it and he was like, what's interesting is, he told me he was like, some of the toursies came, some of the tour newsies came. Toursies. Who were, tour, yeah, some of the toursies came and they were like, and hit their biggest like, comment about it he was like they liked it but they couldn't imagine a world that looks like this because they're younger they're younger gays at the end of the day and and that was the most fascinating and i've had a conversation i've had conversations about i'm sorry i'm going over the the three the three sentence limit um because it's like the element of like the deep, deep self-loathing in this movie and in this play and in this art is something that is very indicative of the time. And, and that's not to say that doesn't still exist. That's not to say that like people don't still go through this to whatever degree that is. But, and Kevin, agree with me if you want, like, or, or not, or, or disagree with me if you want to. But I feel like, like the movies we grew up with, you and I grew up with, because unbeknownst to the rest of this podcast i am not as old as I was i'm not older say, than this movie we always joke about this but like Aaron uh-huh. and I are very close in age yeah we're like <laughs> our like our generation of movie of gay movie was the brokeback mountain years like Correct. the like the trick the like 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 all the get reels the like latter days where the energy of like the premise of the movie was we are who we are, meaning the gay people are who they, who they are and the world hates us. So we have to conquer that hate and be, and live our truth. 
Mm-hmm. The generation now, which I would like, I would say is like, call me by your name and like love Simon is a, is a form is a different form of gay movie where it's like all of your like questioning and self and like, and self doubt. You don't have to do that because the world loves you and the world will accept you. You just have to accept yourself. And that's a very defining progression of the generation of art in gay cinema and gay and, and gay plays and whatever. And this is, it's, it's, it's so fascinating then to look at this play and look at this movie and see the real, real place that our predecessors existed. And again, this was even before the AIDS crisis. Like this was in the 60s. This was in the 70s. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's where it's also such a an interesting like look into almost what feels like a history play now. And yet it's so... Freeze. You've, you froze, but I can hear you. Yeah, you're good. I'm sorry. I'm talking a lot. But, that's, but th- that was my biggest like fascinating takeaway from this movie where I'm like, it's just a fascinating study of where the community used to be, wherever, like the good and the bad of it. Yeah. I think they said in the feature that the show premiered like months before Stonewall Mm. or like, or or like a few. So it was like, it was pre Stonewall, pre AIDS pandemic, pre yeah. Everything. Yeah. That's uh, all. Anybody else have anything they want to add their MVP and high-level thoughts at the end? Sure. I can tag on to a self-loathing characteristic that I found to be at first distracting and then my favorite thing, and that is Zachary Kinto's pockmarked uh, skin makeup. Because mm. at first mm. he walked in and I was like, does he have bad skin? They could have fixed that. And then when it was a character point, I was like, oh, he is in the room, the most confident of this friend group, but he goes home and physically picks at his face. Yeah. And so like no one is immune. I say like, as you probably have like watched me pick a zit like through this entire podcast. So I resonated with (laughs) skin issues. Um, I will also say an MVP for me will always be a spiral staircase (laughs) (laughs) because I love cool set pieces and I want to live in this apartment and um, I can't say Jim Parsons. So I will just say Zachary Kinto because he was someone that at first was jarring to me and then was my favorite person to watch. Hmm. Nikisha. I would say my MVPs uh, would be Bernard and Emery. uh, I I hate this game now because everyone's stolen mine and this is a terrible game. (laughs) (laughs) And you were all for it at the beginning. So um, Bernard and Emery, because I liked their relationship together um, and their back and forth in the movie. And, uh, 
and just relatable um, on a minority level too. Um, but it's so interesting hearing like Aaron, you, you talk about like gay culture and the gay community because um, I'm always interested in, in learning new things about a culture that's not mine. So watching this movie was kind of an aspect of that considering its history and as a whole, as a play um, and the movie before this. And it's so interesting to hear that the perspective of gay culture now doesn't relate to its roots because I kind of think of it as an aspect of like being a minority and relating to things that happen with my own roots. So I would never Mm -hmm. look at something and say that this doesn't apply to me, which is not what you said, but I, I wouldn't look at something and say that this doesn't apply to me or that I'm not seeing remnants of this today sure. um, because it is a thing. And I feel like that in listening to you guys, it's also a thing in the, in the gay community and gay culture is still very um, prevalent, even if it's not um, in the uh, front, in the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was just uh, interesting you, you talking about that, but, um, I also was not a fan of Jim Parsons in this, um, because I felt that he was living in play form and everyone was living in movie form, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I guess it was in how he was speaking and expressing his, his lines and, and dialogue, it just felt very actor play esque and not like movie acting, but I'm also not an actor by no means. I have a music degree, so I can't speak, (laughs) but just watching him in comparison to everyone else, it just seemed like how he was approaching that specific character kind of lived a little bit even more outside of the world than can everyone else but that was just my own thing not to say that he didn't do a great job like everything worked and was placed how it was supposed to I'm just saying like how he approached the character and some of his um uh, the way that he was uh, speaking his dialogue just felt very like I was watching him on Broadway but then I was watching everyone else in the movie but yeah interesting I mean I I do feel like that was a character just because like that was his spiral that was his like he, he also was- does the harder stuff that kevin was talking about that works better on stage he yeah. initiates yeah. this crazy outlandish game mm-hmm. yeah and so well, I think he it- has to live in kind of a crazy outlandish world well i think that I'm, and that's i think where it gets it's br- it's it's brilliant and compelling to watch while also like because at the end of the day he's abusing his friends. Oh yeah. Mm. And that's where like and that's like hurt people hurt people all of the other tropes yeah. that we that mm-hmm. exist mm-hmm. and that's where like this party goes off the rails because and this is and it's why I'm like thank god this isn't aspirational theater mm-hmm. because like this is not behavior that is, and I think there was a time when it was, like when shade was not done in love, when shade was like thrown to hurt other people. Like, and it still is. Some people have like really unhealthy relationships, but like, 
it's where I think the medium has moved, not the medium, the maybe the medium, like just the culture in general has moved to we love each other and that's how we're going to like move forward. And yeah. this was at a time when we hate each other. We hate ourselves so much that we are going to take that out on other people, especially the people who love us. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I've decided that Brian and Kimberly have taken, uh, or Aaron and Kimberly have taken Brian's time. So Brian, you're just Sorry. give us your MVP. Um, my MVP is Tuck Watkins as Hank. I think he has one of the more uh, nuanced characters because he's new to this group in terms of both new to this group as a person and new to this group as um, a gay man. Um, and I think that him trying to balance um, the, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Alan, him like connecting with Alan in a weird way. Cause Alan, I just think that he is, he's walking a much tighter rope than everyone else is in this. And I think that um, his calling Larry and Larry calling him <laughs> was really effective. Um, and I think that he's learning certain rules and, and Larry's trying to learn, they're trying to teach each other something. So I thought that that was conveyed really well by Tuck Watkins. Um, and I do just want to add something about, um, uh, um, right, we don't actually have time for this. So we'll go ahead and move oh, on. Let it. No, let him. Okay. Regardless of, I thought Tim, Par- Jim Parsons was very good. Um, uh, however, I was just more impressed with, I really didn't see Sheldon Cooper while watching mm. this. Um, and to me, because I've been watching Big Bang Theory for so many years, like anytime I see someone who I've seen in a role for such a long amount of time, you either just see their crutches or you see them trying to do something else. And, and I thought a high percent of his performance did not lean on any sort of crutches that I saw for many years on Big Bangs. But Tuck Watkins was, was A-plus stuff. Yeah. Cool. Andrew Randall's real-life boyfriend. Yes. Which was a oh really? I learned. Yeah. Fun. Um, Wait, who was yours, Kevin? Yeah. My MVP is Charlie Carver, who played the cowboy. Because you love him. Um, because I will have one of those one day. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Um, let's do the. Uh, let's play a game. Let's play yeah. the game first. And just um, as a remind, just as a reminder, if you are a patron, um, you're going to get to see this game. Hi, everybody. Um, hi. If you're, if you're hi. listening to our uh, podcast feed, we're going to skip right to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, our guessing. But uh, let's do the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score first. Sure. Um, Tomato. Just kidding. <laughs> that are rotten. Um, okay. So we got the Rotten Tomato score. They do have a consensus. Uh, the critics' consensus is from 64 different reviews that have come in since September 30th. Okay. Premiered. Um, so let's start off with uh, the ladies. Uh, Nikisha. 92. Kimberly. I think I looked. Like, I have a number in my mind that I can picture, but I don't remember if it's this movie or a different one I looked up over the weekend. So can I go last with what I think it is? Correct. Uh, okay. And then if it's right, you tell me that I cheated. Sure. Right. <laughs> um, 96. And that was going to be my number. 97. Kimberly. 84. So this has an 80. 
for the critics consensus. I think it had okay. an 84 like a week ago. Audience score is 84. Ah, oh. there it is. The boys in the oh, band. Wow. It says the boys in the band brings the classic stage play back to the screen with a well a well acted adaptation containing surprising and poignant modern relevance. So why is it so low then? Yeah. I don't know. But it's just, it got an 80. That's crazy. No, it was very well done. Very. Maybe some people don't like to watch plays as much as we do. Guaranteed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because as we've, we're DTP. 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 All right, let's do the uh, and ranking for this movie. As the DTPs. Have a special ranking system that we used. Oh, um, so, all right. All right I'll, I'll I'll do I'll do the accent. Okay. So, so today we are going to rank these movies that we have seen. Oh. I clearly asked you to not do the accent. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I was I was channeling my inner like Cook Louie. What is Chef Louie? That yeah, was 100% Lumiere. Like, what are you talking about? That was <laughs> I was channeling Jerry Orbach, actually, in my apartment, Luigi board. Uh, so, okay, so the way this works is we have an and ranking system where we rank the movies one, two, or three. One is like, yes, I love it. Two is like, yeah, it was all right. And then three is like, woof, girl, woof. And then you can also get a plus or minus. The plus gives that extra, like, yas. And then the minus gives that extra, like, woof. And that is our and ranking system. Yeah. I have a question about our and ranking system, because this is the first time, like, do we rate based on our opinion of goodness, or do we rate on our opinion of enjoyment? That's up to you. I think that's a personal preference. Okay. Just because of the descriptions of the one, two, and three. I wanted to clarify. Sure. That's up to you. Um, who wants to go first? Well, whichever one you choose, you're doing it wrong, Aaron. Just- <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, I'm torn. I think I'm going to go a solid one. Me too. Yeah. I was torn between like a minus or not, but I think it's a, a just a one on the nose. And Nikisha, you said one as well? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Kevin. I'm going to say a one plus because I do like gay people. Oh. oh. <laughs> Damn. But really just Charlie Carver. <laughs> <laughs> he is a beautiful man. They're all beautiful men. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I didn't um, mind the beautiful cast. It was fun. <laughs> I don't know. You know, before all of you said something, I was actually going to give it a two plus. Because I think it's good, but like, I'm not, I wouldn't watch it again. Um, I'm glad it exists. Um, And I think it's really good, but also like, it's, it's just a good adaptation, but I wouldn't call it like super memorable as memorable as it was the first time I read the play. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to bump it up to a one minus because I do think that being a really good play adaptation counts a lot for me. Agreed. That, that was my distinction. I'm not going to watch this movie again, but Mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic. I so. feel like I'll be like accidentally like drunk alone on a bottle of wine and just go, I'll watch the boys in the band. <laughs> sure. I will yes. absolutely do that. Yes. I like to hurt myself. Yeah. And that makes this movie a one. 
Yay. Okay, and for all of you keeping track at home, we add that to one, and the one makes this. It's grouped with, oh, sorry, I took an early breath. I'd like to point out that this movie is worse than Center Stage and Eurovision. (laughs) (laughs) The best worst thing that could ever happen, Latin History for Morons, Restless Creature, Wendy Whalen, Billy Elliot, Passing Strange, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, Hamilton, Josie and the Pussy Chaps, Bussy (laughs) Chaps. What? (laughs) (laughs) The Pussy Cats, not Chaps. We're Josie and the Boozy Cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josie and the Pussy Cats, not Josie and the Pussy Chaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gypsy, uh, uh, Every Little Step, She's the Man, Howard, and the Boys in the Band. All right. Okay. Woo-hoo. I, I will say, I do feel like with the absence of Haley, our rankings are going to shift slightly. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. I already slid her column to all the way to the right so we can keep I ours together. That. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> um well thank you, Kevin. That brings us to the end of our episode. Um we've gotta have, we plot to have, for it's dreary not to have that certain thing called the boyfriend. We scheme about, we dream about, and we've been known to scream about that certain thing called the boyfriend. That is from the, the boyfriend. boyfriend. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. You can obviously find us on, uh, social media at broad wasted. Um, you can find us, uh, our, uh, Facebook group is super fun. Kevin runs that. Um, of course you can find us on Patreon. If you're not already there, you can kind of get the extra content in this video. Hi, for those of you who are watching me say that, um, uh, but also you can find us wherever you get podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, uh, please take a minute to rate and review us there. Five stars, please. Five stars, please. And thank you. Um, and if you have uh, rated us already with five stars, um, go in and uh, actually write a little review. That would super help us. Um, and then separately from all of that, uh, just wanted to, of course, make sure that you have a voting plan and that you are going out to vote early by ballot double check your ballot because where i'm from the ballots are all screwed up and they had to resend them um but uh yeah all of brooklyn got like the wrong return envelope in there for like people on the block we're going in early we're going in early to vote at the barclays but like um um just double check everything across the street from my apartment and so I have a alert set for every day it is available to me. Awesome. Amazing. Um, yeah, make sure you have a plan. Um, it just makes everything easier, especially in today's environment. Um, but just wanted to, to remind you to do that. Um, but as we end every episode, we raise a glass. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I put the chilies in this by accident, so I will not be taking a sip after this. <laughs> <laughs> as we yep. always say, Cheers. Uh, And next week is Biloxi Blues on HBO Max, so you can watch Biloxi Blues on HBO Max. Cool. Biloxi. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.